Morning, family. Morning. Morning to Germán and Mika. It's so wonderful to see you and have you with us all the way from the Netherlands, coming for winter in South Africa to skip out on summer in, I don't understand, but it must be because you love us. So, so great to have you with us and so good to see all of you and um, yeah, just, uh, just experience the Lord's goodness and His grace in our midst at this time and just our Reverb guys, it's such a special group of people. Um, I joined a service with them a couple of months ago and they made me rap a prayer and uh, so, so it's going to be a while before I go visit there again, so just, just for that. But it's great fun, they're really a great bunch of young people so if your children aren't involved there yet, then try and get them engaged whether Friday night or Saturday morning, it'll only benefit from it. So we're busy with our series on the home front and we're really talking about issues that are close to home. And um, today we're going to talk about relationships. And uh, relationships is a wonderful thing to talk about. But one of the challenges in talking about relationships is it's so ubiquitous in our lives. It's so in, all around us. We're so in relationships that sometimes it's, it, it, it's difficult to just create a bit of space to step back so that we can look at relationships and that we can experience truth speaking into our relationships. Um, talking about relationships is like talking to a fish about water. Um, it's, it's all around us. We're part of it. It's everything. But yet relationships are so important to our life and our human experience. And it's so definitive of our human experience. So often if you ask somebody, how are you doing? So much of the way they're going to answer that question depends on their relationships and what they're experiencing in their relationships. Uh, when I was studying um, here, uh, in my degree in theology, we did a course on introduction to psychology. And as I was working through that material, I just became aware that relationships often cause the problems in our lives. And it's so easy to get hurt in relationships. But relationships is also the place where we get healing. It's also the place where we feel restored where we experience grace and goodness. So that makes relationships a complicated thing, isn't it? It both can be the problem and the answer all at the same time. And so when we talk about relationships and approach relationships, what I want to do today is recognize that it's a difficult thing. That there's a lot of difficulty around relationships. There's not one of us here today that don't have some disappointments when it comes to relationships, perhaps even some hurts, that right now are possibly involved in some relationships that are not straightforward, where it's difficult. And this is our lives. But I'm encouraged by the word of Jesus, that he didn't say particularly about relationships, but I think the principle hold truth, holds true in relationships also, and it's this. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The more truth we can have in our relationships, the more freedom there can be. Both in terms of biblical truth that gives us a foundation, a structure, pathways in our relationships, as well as the relational truth that is necessary for that relationship. I don't know about you, but I've often been stuck when it comes to some relationships. Sometimes you're having a relationship with a person, whatever kind of relationship that is, and, and suddenly or perhaps progressively over a period of time, you recognize I'm now stuck with this person, not in the sense of I'm stuck with them, in the sense that 
our relationship is at a, at a place where it can't move forward or backwards. It's, things have just become difficult. Right now in the world we live in with its heightened anxiety and tension and stress, relationships are bearing the brunt of it. Often when we see the, the failure in relationships happening, it's because it's the outlet of all the strains and the stresses we're experiencing right now. Whether that's in family relationships or just friendships or, or wherever. But to get unstuck in a relationship, truth is required. Remember years ago, in the, I think it was 1992, I was part of one of the first teams from Hatfield that was allowed to go into Zambia. And, and we drove up from here to Zambia on an outreach to go and meet with pastors, uh, particularly in the Copper Belt. And, and I was driving the, the minivan, our beloved E20 minivans that we used to have. And um, I was driving the minivan over Bite Bridge. I don't know if it's still like that, but Bite Bridge at that time had this long bridge, one-way kind of bridge. And uh, I had a trailer with our team, and we were driving. We were sort of halfway across this bridge, and a big truck came from the front. And we had a bit of a stare-off. Me and my little E20 with a Fenta trailer. Him in this big truck with two trailers. And we were looking at one another. Who's going to go backwards first? And I was so hoping he would blink and go backwards first. But obviously, there was no chance. And so I had to reverse with the trailer, and I wasn't really that experienced and very good with it. And so it became one of those events like that ship, remember a couple of years ago, that, that turned sideways in the, in the Suez Canal, was in the Suez Canal, and suddenly the whole world was stuck. It was like that on Bite Bridge that day. I caused a traffic jam of note because the trailer went one way and I went the other way. Eventually, the team had to get out, and we had to unhook the trailer and push it back, and then so that I could reverse and you know, ultimately solve the problem. Isn't it like that with relationships? Sometimes we just get stuck, and we're just in a difficult place. I want to say to you, it really helps to have a foundation of biblical truth that undergirds our actions and our attitudes when it comes to moments like that so that we can get unstuck and move on again. And over today, I want to talk about two relational dynamics. I mean, there's so much in relationships we can talk about. But I want to talk about two things. But I'm probably only going to get time to do the one here in the morning. And in this evening, I'll talk about the second one. So this is a little bit of an advert for the Young Adult Service. It starts at 6. If you want to join us for the Young Adult Service, it's a service for the young adults, by the young adults. But anybody's welcome. I'm there. So, you know. I don't know if 53 still counts as a young adult, but I'm going to be there. So you're welcome to join. And then I'm going to talk more about friendship tonight. But probably this morning, I want to talk about a biblical principle that is so entrenched in the Scripture. But it's not something in our day and age that, we, that I think we always feel comfortable with. And it's the principle of honor. Honor. We all practice honor. It's just a way of life. It is a reality of life. We all have to honor appropriately in the right space, in the right way, at the right time. But the Bible has a particular approach and view about honor. The word honor in the scripture is defined by the Baker's Evangelical Dictionary as to give weight to someone. To give weight to someone. That, 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 that means to make somebody important. To make somebody worth 
attention, your attention. It's to hold somebody and to see that there's consequence to this person. They matter. Sorry, having a difficult moment. It's okay. To say to somebody, you matter. Have you ever felt dishonored by somebody? Have you ever been in a situation where somebody completely disregarded you? Didn't even notice you perhaps? Or perhaps noticed you but felt treated you in a way that you don't matter? When you're in a situation like that, then you know that honor matters. To honor someone is to hold, to give weight to that person. William Barclay says, it's to esteem and treat another with respect because of who they are or what they have done. Because of who they are or what they have done, we hold somebody with respect and value. I want to read you one of Grimm's fairy tales. I don't know if you know this little fairy tale, but let me read it for you. Once there was a little old man. His eyes blinked and his hands trembled. When he ate, he clattered the silverware distressingly, missed his mouth with a spoon as often as not, and dribbled a bit of his food on the tablecloth. Now he lived with his married son, having nowhere else to live, and his son's wife didn't like the arrangement. I can't have this, she said. It interferes with my right to happiness. So she and her husband took the old man gently but firmly by the arm and led him to the corner of the kitchen. There they sat him on a stool and gave him his food in an earthenware bowl. From then on he always ate in the corner, blinking at the table with wistful eyes. One day his hand trembled rather more than usual, and the earthenware bowl fell and broke. If you are a pig, said the daughter-in-law, you must eat out of a trough. So they made him a little wooden trough, and, got, and he got his meals in that. These people had a four-year-old son whom they were very fond of. One evening the young man noticed his boy playing intently with some bits of wood and asked what he was doing. I'm making a trough, he said, smiling up for approval, to feed you and mama out of when I get big. The man and his wife looked at each other for a while and didn't say anything. Then they cried a little. Then they went to the corner and they took the old man by the arm and led him back to the table. They sat him in a comfortable chair and gave him his food on a plate. And from then on, nobody ever scolded when he clattered or spilled or broke things. Honor matters. I want to say this and go as far as this. That your life is defined by what you honor and what you don't honor. And by extension, who you honor and who you don't honor. Thomas Carlyle said the following. Show me the man you honor and I will know what kind of man you are. We all hold certain things in value, and we value people that embody those things. And that is how we build our lives. That's what defines our life. So what you honor today is what will be your experience tomorrow. So honor matters. In the Bible, it's interesting how often when God talks about any relational aspect, the word honor is brought right into it. Honor falls within the greater understanding of what it means to love, but honor is something separate and something of its own that operates within being loving. The first thing we learn as a foundational truth about honor is that honoring is a way of life in the Bible. 
It's not something we do on special occasions merely. It's how we live our lives. We live in a way to show honor. In 1 Peter 2 verse 7, for instance, it says, Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. Honor all people. You see, as Christians, we have a way of thinking that tells us this, that every human being is made in the image of God, made by, made by God for God's purposes and loved by God. And just that belief gives us the reason to say every human being is worthy of honor. Whenever I'm dealing with somebody, I have to show them the appropriate honor because that person was made by God, for God, and is loved by God. That person, whether they're functional in my life or not, whether I like them or not, whether they are fulfilling a purpose or not, deserves honor because they're made by God, reflecting Him and loved by Him. Therefore, we honor all people. That's the way of life. That's the way we approach life. That's the way the Bible views life. Honor all people. It, it seems that the biblical approach is this. That every person you meet deserves your honor until they disqualify themselves from the appropriate honor in that situation. Our culture probably at this point in time is increasingly cynical. And so therefore we rather say Every person I meet does not deserve my honor until they prove that they're worthy of being honored. So right now, even positions, functions, we are increasingly distrusting and saying we're not going to honor a person just because they have a position. Think of elderly people. More and more, even in our nation, that for, for many of our cultures in our nation, we've had a strong sense of you respect the elderly. There's a, a way of thinking now that says just because you're old doesn't mean I have to respect you. Doesn't mean I have to honor you. I can understand where that comes from. Perhaps we've experienced so much disappointment and so much failure and so much hurt when it comes to the issues of honor that we are now guarded and that we protect ourselves. But if you think about it, if you have that as an approach to life, it's going to be very difficult to actually build meaningful functioning society. If, like Graham, our dear Graham here is the executive headmaster of the school. If I walk into the school and look at Graham and say, Graham, I'm not going to honor you in any way until you've proven to me that you deserve my honor it's going to be very difficult to actually be a functioning part of a school. You have to give some honor. You have to trust that a community put a person in a position. And therefore I say, well, if my community felt that's all right, I'm going to honor that. Now, it may become true down the line that that person in that position is not worthy of the honor, but that's not where I'm going to start necessarily. That's the biblical idea. For a society to function, we have to give appropriate honor in appropriate spaces. And that begins on the foundation that every human being deserves some level of honor. That every person 
deserves me recognizing them. In our, in our staff here in the building, we have a value, 10 values that, we, that, that defines how we work together and how we function. One of our values is our soul-borner value. Our soul-borner value just means we see one another, which literally means when we're having meetings, we're always five minutes late. Because walking from one part of the building over to the other part of the building, you see a couple of people, you always stop and you say, I see you. How are you doing? How's your family? Great to see you. We are even learning that just because you saw the person early in the day doesn't mean you don't have to greet them when you see them later in the day. You still stop. Nah? Am I right? The, some people here know exactly what I mean. You see, us more Europeanized people, I've saw you in the morning, that's fine. I don't have to acknowledge you the rest of the day. How many of you know the, the more African-persuaded people? Every time I see you, I need to stop and say hello and how are you doing? So we're five minutes late for every meeting. Well, at least I am. So I have to, you know. But Saubona, we value each other. We show each other appreciation because we matter. Every person deserves honor and it's our way of life. So while honor is a way of life that we give, we also understand that honor is conditional. This is where honor fits into the bigger system of what it means to be a loving person, where love is, as we experience from God, is unconditional. Honor within that becomes something that is conditional. I don't honor all people equally all the time. And somebody can lose the reason for their honor. Because honor is conditional. Proverbs 15 verse 33, for instance, tells us, Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. How many of you know that it is so much easier to honor somebody that remains humble? But as soon as a person becomes prideful, arrogant, it becomes increasingly difficult to show them honor. Proverbs 21 verse 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Honor is a result of a way of life. If I stay consistent with a certain way of life, then honor will be received by me. Proverbs 26 verse 1. Like snow in summer or rain in harvest, honor is not fitting for a fool. There are certain people that disqualify themselves from honor. Remember the quote I read for you from Thomas Carlyle. Show me the man you honor, and I will know what kind of man you are. If you honor fools, then you are a foolish person. I think of the terrible news that we heard later in this week of the events in Krugersdorp with those eight ladies. Those men that perpetrated that. Deserve a good legal system with good legal representation to make sure that their case are heard and that they get the appropriate punishment for their crimes. But they do not deserve our respect and our honor in that sense. Because you can lose your right to honor. Honor is conditional. When the Bible comes to things like this, honor, it builds a system. Biblical truth is always interesting to deal with because biblical truth is often 
opposing values that are held in tension within a framework that gives truth. So while we live with this, like I've said, way of life that we honor every person, the counterfoil of that is that honor is not something we seek or demand. Every person has the right to be honored, but that doesn't mean every person can demand honor. In fact, the more you understand the biblical model of positions and leadership and authority, the more you understand that people that have been exalted by God and used in positions of authority will not demand and seek to be honored. But in the system works because honor will be given to them in the right way, but they will not seek and demand honor. Mark Twain said, it is better to deserve honors and not have them than to have them and not deserve them. If we have a position, if you have a position that gives you a certain authority that requires for people to respect you, you always hold that position lightly, don't you? You always know that that, dis, that position requires of me to do a certain amount of work, to represent a certain amount of character, to continue to earn that honor that comes with that position. But I cannot demand it from people. I cannot seek to be honored. So it's this tension that is held. You cannot function if there's no honor but you cannot demand or seek to be honored. And a community with biblical truth under its feet can manage those tensions and show appropriate honor in appropriate places. As much as you can dishonor somebody, you can honor them too much also. Honor needs to be done appropriately. The Bible talks to us about a certain Cases and positions and people that we honor. And remember the, the, the definition I read to you earlier from William Barclay, where he said to esteem and treat another with respect because of who they are and or for what they have done. What we do matters. Sorry, my scripture for honor is not sought. I didn't read that. Let me just read that. When someone invites you to a wedding... Do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. I mean, it's fantastic to be a guest of honor, to be honored in a place. I sometimes go to you know, other churches or conferences or whatever, and my preferred seating arrangement at any place like that is to sit at the back. I just feel more comfortable, you know, but sometimes it happens where somebody notices you and they say, won't you please come sit in the front? We've actually got a special seat prepared for you. Oh, that's nice. But my position is always, I'm not going to the meeting to go look for where's my seat of honor. So then I'm never disappointed. My humanity can handle that. Sometimes we can get a bit bent out of shape, don't we? Where's my place of honor? Why didn't you prepare for me? Where's my special food or my special bottle of water or my special don't you know who I am don't. <laughs> that just doesn't help and that's not the biblical way we don't seek 
to be honored. But we do appreciate it when it's given. The Bible tells us to, honor, to appropriately honor parents. I think that's the first thing that will generally come to all of our minds of who needs to be honored. We honor our parents. Remember the definition of biblical honor is to add weight, to make somebody valuable, to make somebody important in your life. A parent, according to the scripture, should always be treated as somebody important in your life and valuable. A parent should always be held in regard. Now, some parents are easy to hold in regard. Some parents are hard to hold in high regard. Some parents don't deserve to be held in high regard. That's just a fact. But as believers, we always give the appropriate honor that we can to a situation and to a parent. When you're a child in your parents' home growing up, then the way you show honor generally is obedience. You obey. Obedience and honor in many circumstances are very close to each other. You obey your parents. But as you grow older, obedience becomes perhaps a lesser expression of honoring. As you start taking responsibility for your own life, then obedience is no longer the appropriate way to honor your parents, but you still honor your parents. With my mom that is alive and well as my parent, I will always invite her opinion. I will always allow her to speak to me about anything. I will always honor her by you know, sharing things with her. Whenever she talks to me about something, I will pay attention. I will hold it in right regard. It may not mean nowadays anymore that I have to do what she says or obey what she says, but I will hold her in high regard. I will go out of my way. I will do effort to make known to her that she's important to me. I will go fix her Netflix password every week if I need to. Because she matters. She has weight in my life. The Bible also talks to us about honoring authority, particularly government authority. Romans 13, praise the Lord. That there's appropriate ways to honor the government. And unfortunately, one of those ways include to pay your tax. I mean, even Jesus said it. There's some things that Caesar can rightfully ask of you, one of those things being tax. I wish the Bible had a different view <laughs> or a more measured approach. Gave us some T's and C's apply. We honor the government. There's a due respect, due allegiance we give. But... There's certain things the government cannot ask for. And if I give it to the government, I will be stepping outside of appropriate honor. There's certain things the government should not put their fingers in. I don't think the government should tell me how I should raise my children. Amen? I don't think the government's job is to give my child sex education. Amen? Now, when, when we fail, I understand it puts them in a difficult position. And then they may have to do some steps that they shouldn't really have to take. But that's because we've not done our job. But there's certain things that they shouldn't do in my life. 
Just as much as there are certain things that in my family is not appropriate to do because that's not the kind of honor my family should get. I don't think my parents can ask me to pay them tax. Huh? Now, I know we have a thing in South Africa, which I don't want to say too much about. But we have this terminology called, will you say it? I don't want to, black tax, thank you very much. Now, do I honor my mom? Yes. Is it appropriate for me to look after her? Yes. But every time I want to buy my wife something nice, does that mean I have to buy my mother the same nice thing also? man. Huh? Let me not go down that road too far. I'll just get myself in trouble. I know moms love to stand in front of their children and go, I was in labor for, with you for 24 hours. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. Now, how many moms here have said something don't look all holy and, you know? If they, if they want their child to do something that the child doesn't want to do, that's normally when that discussion becomes, it's like, you owe me. And that's true in a sense, but you cannot tax your family. You do not have the right to demand that level of honor. So the, that's part of the trick we have to discern. Where does the right honor belong in the right way? The Bible talks about employers and employees that are in an honor relationship with each other. Colossians 3, 22 to 23, Colossians 4, amongst others in the Bible talk, and often it uses a biblical terminology in the time of slaves and masters and all of that, but there's lessons we draw from that to talk about how, how employers honor their employees with fair salaries, with good working conditions, by looking after them, honoring them. But that means that a, an employee also honors an employer by doing what is required. Not doing as little as I can to get paid as much as I can, but doing as much as I can within the, what is requested and required of me. We honor, that's an honor relationship. The Bible talks about church leaders that we honor in 1 Timothy 5 verse 17, for instance, again, amongst other scriptures. Now, this can get weird. Amen? In South Africa, this can get really weird. What it means to honor a pastor. I mean, I've seen some things and I've been in places and I know different cultures are different, so praise the Lord. There's some cultures, man, I wish we had more of them in our church because they give you stuff all the time. You're the pastor. <laughs> I mean, they just love you. They give you things. They, they like, man, you feel like the best thing since sliced bread when you've been around them. Then there's other cultures that go, oh, it's just you again. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. We love everybody equally. But some behavior, I mean, a friend of mine the other day went to go see one of these prophets for some reason, trying to reach out, just build a relationship with it. Because this prophet was all on, the, on his own doing some things and we were going, perhaps somebody should try and relate to him. So he made an appointment to go see the prophet. Got to the prophet's office and the prophet's much younger. The prophet is like a new kid in town, new kid on the block. And the prophet's staff then sat the friend of mine who's a, quite a 
passed over quite a significant church, sat him down and said, now listen, when you come into the prophet's presence, you talk to him, you call him prophet, you don't call him anything else, he's prophet, so and so, prophet, prophet, and started telling him how to behave and where to look and everything. So my friend walked into the prophet's office and said, hey boot, (laughs) praise the Lord. I mean, I know of people in our nation that if that apostle had to walk into the building now, we would all be expected to fall on our faces, to be prostrate because the man of God has come in. Now, my question is, they didn't even do that for Jesus. Jesus didn't even tell them to do that. So, excuse me. We can get really weird with titles and, you know, all this stuff. And I mean, again, cultures are different, so I don't want to, but I just want to say there's appropriate ways. I think the important things when it comes to honoring church leaders and any leaders for that sense is, unless you give them some form of honor, they have no value in your life. I mean, if you're sitting in church this morning or watching online and you're hearing me speak and you go, oh, not him again. Oh, I really wish they would find somebody else. You know, what did he do? Why, why does he speak so much? Now, that's your opinion, and you have a right to that opinion. I have no problem with that. I'm not going to try and convince you any differently. That's fine. I'm not even going to be angry with you if you feel that way. That's fine. That's your right to feel that way. But the moment you think that, this whole message probably means nothing to you. You're just wasting your time. Because where there's no honor, there can be no benefit. So then it would be better for you to find somebody that you feel you can listen to. Or to perhaps check your attitude. I'll say just that. I won't say more than that. Because in any form of leadership, nobody can lead us beyond what we allow them to lead us because we give them the honor. And that's appropriate. But it can go into all kinds of inappropriate and weird things, which, frankly, I'm not too interested in. In 1 Timothy 5 verse 3, it says, honor widows who are truly widows. Isn't that fantastic that in the biblical sense of honor, honor is not just upwards. Honor is sideways. Honor is even to people that are in difficult positions that we may consider less than us. We honor them. There's an appropriate way to honor widows, the poor. We honor. Whenever we deal with somebody that is less fortunate than us, we do it with honor. I, I, I don't know if I told you the story, but in, in lockdown there was a time, you know, in that time where we were all trying to get food to people and you couldn't go to people's houses and deliver it to them. We, we saw a guy put bags of bread in his car and drive through a certain section in our area and just open his window enough so that he can throw the bread at the people. Now, Kudos for at least wanting to help people. But I don't think that was a very honoring way to do it. That makes anybody really feel valuable. We honor. But ultimately, worship team, you guys can join me. There's one that deserves our honor above everything. And that's God. In 1 Timothy, oh sorry, yes, 1 Timothy 1 verse 17. Now to the king. Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. 
Amen. It is only God that deserves our absolute honor, obedience, fear. It's only God. And it is only God that can actually demand our honor because He's worthy of it. He's perfect. He can come in our midst and say, honor me because He has the right, because He is God. And he, we will honor Him appropriately because of that. But we will never give Him the honor and share it with somebody else. His honor belongs to Him. Do not touch the Lord's glory. Amen? So the New Testament Christians knew this. And so when Caesar demanded that he be worshipped because he was God incarnate on earth. The New Testament Christians said, we will pay your tax, we will respect your laws, we will honor your, instru your institutions, but we will not worship you. We will not bow down to you in worship because worship belongs to God alone and you are not God. And they were beaten and they were eaten. They were set alight because of that. But they said, appropriate honor must be given in the appropriate place. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'd like you to stand with me. And right now, just in this space, and there was such a tenderness this morning in our, in our time of music ministry and just our, our opening our hearts before the Lord, there was such a tenderness of the Lord drawing us to Him. And perhaps in a sense saying to us that despite all the challenges we're facing and all the difficulties and all the harshness and the struggles and the relational tensions and problems that we have a Father that loves us, that is our safe place, that is our safe space to come into, to receive truth, truth that sets us free so that we can re-engage with the difficult places from a place of freedom, not from a place of fear, captivity, anxiety, but from a place of freedom. Why don't you just close your eyes with me today? And Lord, I pray right now that by your Spirit, you will bring to our minds and to our hearts any places, any relationships right now that are stuck, that are in difficulty, some that we can't even do anything about, that's beyond our capacity to actually change, some that may have been there for so long that we've, that we've almost given up any hope that things will change, some that may be very raw and very fresh, some that are close, some that are a little bit more distant, some that are in our workplaces, some that are in other frontline spaces. Lord, we come before you right now. And we pray, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, bring, I pray for healing right now by your truth, that your truth this morning will be a balm, will be a healing oil, will be a soothing agent that comes and softens the hard places. Come, Jesus, so that we can be free. Come, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. I just trust you right now to move in, in the hearts of people as they need you. Right, Those that are online, 
Those that are here with us on the radio, just come and move, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Come, Lord Jesus. If you've become cynical, distrusting, there may be really good reason for it, but the Lord wants to bring a softness to you again. Because that word that Dave shared earlier, often that's the reason we are outside of the warmth of a community and of friendship is because something happened and we have become hardened, offended, bitter. And you may be completely right, but you're going to burn out, become cold there on your own while being right. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Give us the strength to forgive as you have forgiven us. Give us the grace to try again in an appropriate way. Come Holy Spirit. Even with those that do not deserve our honor, that have disqualified themselves in their positions, show us, Lord, how to still live in the honor principle. Come Holy Spirit. Just let your restoration happen in our hearts between people and in relationships. Parents and children, brothers and sisters, friends, co-workers, colleagues, fellow believers, racial groups in our nation. We lay down our own flames for what we think is important to pick up that which you Hold dear Lord. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite you to the front if there's this morning just a sense of the Spirit's moving upon your heart. And we want to just pray for you and say, come Holy Spirit. Bring healing and restoration. I believe right now there's just a working of the Spirit and I want us to just attend to that. So if, you, if you're here this morning and you're saying, I... God is doing something in my heart. Please pray for me. Just come to the front. Our pastors and elders and ministry team will be here and they'll so gladly pray with you.